This is episode four of Ethics and Culture Cast from the Notre Dame Center for Ethics and Culture. Welcome to episode four of Ethics and Culture Cast from the Notre Dame Center for Ethics and Culture. I'm Ken Hellenius, the communications specialist at the center. In this episode, we sit down with David Solomon, professor emeritus of philosophy and the founding director of the Center for Ethics and Culture. We chat about what brought him to Notre Dame, his work with thousands of undergraduate and graduate students, and the foundation of the center's annual fall conference. Let's head into the Maritan Library for this week's conversation. I'm here today with David Solomon, the founding director of the Center for Ethics and Culture. David began his legendary career at Notre Dame in 1968 and retired in May of 2016. During his tenure, he served as the director of undergraduate studies in the philosophy department, founded and directed the Arts and Letters Science Honors Program, and directed the Notre Dame London Program. In addition to his service in academic administration, he taught ethics and medical ethics to thousands of undergraduate and graduate students and directed more than 40 doctoral dissertations. Professor Solomon established the Center for Ethics and Culture in 1999 with the aim of bringing the great treasures of the Catholic moral and intellectual tradition to bear upon the most pressing ethical questions of the day. He handed the reins of the center to current director Carter Sneed in 2012. Professor David Solomon, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Ken. So tell us a bit about yourself. Where did you do your studies, and, and how did you come to Notre Dame? Well, I came a long way from, from Notre Dame. I grew up in uh, the South. Uh, my, I was a child of the Depression. My family moved around in the Midwest. I was a working-class kid. I grew up in the Baptist, uh, in the Baptist world, and uh, I found my way after I... I Came was sent to Baylor University, the the greatest Baptist university uh, in the world. I was I found my way there because my mother wanted me to be a Baptist preacher. I wasn't so sure about that, but I had a great education at, at uh, Baylor. I went on to the University of Texas, where I did my PhD. I did a postdoc in Oxford, uh, just just after I started teaching at Notre Dame and worked with Philip Afoot, uh, one of the most uh, eminent moral philosophers of the day. And then I found my way back, uh, found my way to, to Notre Dame. It was, a, it was a kind of a strange entry. I'm the only, I'm only the third non-Catholic hired in the philosophy department at Notre Dame wow. in its history. And the other two are still living and have, were still, have been teaching within the last decade. Ken Sayer, uh, my colleague uh, who had a PhD from Harvard, he was a, a, a prairie Methodist and who now is a convert to Catholicism. And Von McKim, my colleague who, who is still a prairie uh, Methodist. Um, my first um, welcome to the Catholic world at Notre Dame was from Father Hesburgh at, at a reception, and he, um, in the midst of shaking my hand and introducing me as a new faculty member in 1968, it became clear that he believed that a man named David Solomon had to be Jewish, mm -hmm. and with his great ecumenical spirit, Father Hesburgh had 
sought already to add a Jewish member of the philosophy department. And so I had to tell him at this reception, uh, I said, you know, Father, I, I ho- hope you don't take the, back the job offer, but uh, I'm actually a, a Southern Baptist. Uh, and Hesburgh, who was never uh, without a retort, immediately said, ah, that's what we really need around here is a Southern Baptist with a Jewish name. That'll be good enough. So that was the beginning of my introduction to Notre Dame. Marvelous. So uh, so you started in 1968. Uh, That's right. What have you taught in the, uh, in the intervening years? You know, I've taught mainly core courses in the history of moral philosophy. I've taught graduate courses in Kant's ethics, Aristotle's ethics, the virtue tradition, the ethics of Thomas Aquinas. And then increasingly, as the years went on, I hadn't intended to go move in this direction. I started doing a lot of medical ethics, partly because of some changes in my in my career. And I came to be the kind of dominant lecturer on medical ethics from about the mid-1960s. And that has to do with other parts of the story uh, on. So I I mainly taught the history of ethics, the core courses, and, uh, and, and medical ethics, and the culture wars that were associated with those great issues. It's one way I got dragged early on into the life issues that the center was so concerned with. Well, let's talk a bit about the early years of the center. Who was involved in its foundation, and how did it happen? You know, I didn't set out in life to be an administrator, but it turned out that I had, you mentioned a number of these administrative jobs where I founded the, the Arts and Letters Science Honors Program, helped found the, the London program and directed it. And I was increasingly interested, partly because of my uh, concerns about medical ethics and the cultural issues of the day, uh, I was more and more interested in questions of applied ethics and especially especially medical ethics and especially the life issues. And I had... I was enormously influenced, as were all of us at the time, uh, by John Paul II, Mm -hmm. and that was probably the biggest uh, overall influence on on my my life at the uh, at the time. But it was a kind of an accident how the center got started. To to return to the Baptist story for just a moment in Baylor, I was very involved with Baylor University in the. 1990s because Baylor and Notre Dame had a very close relationship. Baylor, I I wrote a well-known piece at the time called uh, What Baylor and Notre Dame Can Learn from One Another. And Mm -hmm. I suggested they they could learn a lot. And the suggestion was that Baylor could be the Baptist Notre Dame. And Baylor was trying to hire me at the time to come back and do the kind of stuff I was doing in moral philosophy, especially with an interest in sort of Christian higher education with a focus on moral philosophy. And Baylor had offered me a a position to found an ethics center in Waco, Texas, and I didn't want to leave Notre Dame. I loved Notre Dame, and although I loved Texas, too, I didn't want to go back. But I asked our provost at the time, Nathan Hatch, who ironically, of course, was the first Protestant provost (laughs) at uh, Notre Dame, later president, later to become president of Wake Forest. Uh, But I asked Nathan if he would give me three years off and let me try to start an ethics center at Baylor, but then to come 
come back to Notre Dame. I didn't want to cut my ties. Sure. And uh, he said, no, I, uh, I still remember. And I thought he was trying to get rid of me. And he said, um, he said, I will not allow you to take your intellectual capital and waste it in the wastelands of, uh, of Texas. Now, I don't know how much intellectual capital I had, but I thought this is I can't go to Baylor and start the center there and was very down. And the next day, Nathan uh, asked me to come to breakfast and he said, why don't you start an ethics center here at uh, at Notre Dame? Let's forget about Baylor and the Baptists. And that's how the center got started. He wrote um, he wrote three little things down. You can have a full time secretary. You can have all the money you can raise, and you can do what you want to do as long as you don't make a fool of yourself. He wrote this on a business card, and that's how the center uh, got started. We can't find that business card. It's <laughs> somewhere was, in the files, yeah. but uh, we, I remember that, that distinctly. So that's how it, it got started as um, a, a, a sort of roundabout uh, return to some issues I was interested in at Notre Dame, but but through this circuitous circuitous route through Baptist the Baptist world. When we find that business card, we're going to have that bronzed. <laughs> that right? oh, yeah. Philosopher Ma- Alistair McIntyre has been the center's senior fellow since its foundation. How did that relationship start? You know that uh, was um, serendipitous in all sorts of ways. As well, I, as I said, I'd had a close connection to to Oxford and the philosophers there, and uh, I had come to know Alistair McIntyre and his work. Of course, this is before the great classic work of of uh, Alistair's After Virtue hadn't mm-hmm. been. It isn't written until the early 1980s. But I had gotten to know Alistair by asking him to give a lot of lectures at, at Notre Dame. And I, as I said, was increasingly interested in issues in medical ethics. And I had an offer to do a, post, uh, a two-year postdoc at Boston University where Alistair, who had spent his entire life teaching in England, took a job in, in Boston, first at Brandeis, then at Boston University. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I saw more and more of him and was offered this two-year postdoc essentially to found some medical ethics programs in the Boston area. We were trying to put together a medical ethics program uh, through the Milbank Foundation through uh, for students at Harvard, BU, and Tufts uh, med schools. And um, my my job was to help set that program up at the, uh, at the time. But what I really did was come to be very close to Alistair and to learn all that I could from him. All the, I should say, all the ideas that uh, are associated with the Center for Ethics and Culture at Notre Dame, even your ideas, Ken, that you may not even know it, are stolen from Alistair McIntyre. <laughs> I mean, it, we're, we're talking, I mean, it was, if, if it was John Paul II who was the spiritual heart of what we were trying to do at the Center. It was Alistair McIntyre, and I must also give full credit to my colleague Ralph McInerney, the great uh, Thomist philosopher and my great friend here. Alistair McIntyre and Ralph McInerney were, were the beating intellectual heart 
of the center. And Alistair, we became friends in the early 1970s and remained friends after I helped persuade him to take a position at Duke University. And then he uh, he joined up with us. And at the time he came back in the late 1990s is when we founded the the center. The, the center. And that's sort of the... the, the the, the sort of series of events that led up to Alistair McIntyre being the beating heart, the intellectual beating heart for the Notre Dame Center for Ethics and Culture. And that's specifically when you talk about the beating heart and kind of the ideas that kind of animate us, you're talking about this traditions-based interaction with culture, creating an entire formation rather than just purely intellectual work. Ab- ab- absolutely. Although Alistair is a, is a very deeply intellectual and serious man. We're not talking about sort of popular apologetic stuff. Right. He was uh, he was defending what he called Aristotelian Thomism, and a re- he's recovering a kind of tradition, as you say, and that's exactly the right word. And, and his work in After Virtue, which is the first book of, of this quartet that, that he's going to go on and write, which will allow him to change the world intellectually. But that's, um, that's the great source of the big ideas at Notre Dame. It's a tradition-based moral philosophy engaged with culture. And Alistair doesn't always like us to talk so much about this, but I think there's a kind of very close connection between the sort of very narrow, in some sense, philosophical work he did and, of course, the larger cultural setting of John Paul II's work in the 70s and 80s after he transforms the world, as it were. One of the major initiatives of the center is the annual fall conference, at which every year Alistair McIntyre presents one of the keynotes. Um, what exactly is the Center for Ethics and Culture's Fall Conference, and how did this annual event, which is one of the largest academic events each year on campus, how did it come about? You know, it was, um, it was in, ter- in terms of the organizational structure of the center, it was where we all started. Uh, it sort of started with a group of people who um, sat around in the room we later occupied on the 10th floor uh, of Flanner Hall, uh, a, a conference room. We we had some meetings where we ate pizza and drank beer. This is a Catholic university, right. not a Baptist one. Right, right. We and, fly at Baylor, but it's right, fine here. Right, yeah. right. And um, we had a little group of people to talk about what we could do to build what we wanted, a kind of intellectually excellent academic center that would take seriously the Catholic intellectual Uh, tradition, the moral crisis of modern culture as we came to see it more and more, and especially as identified by John Paul II. We were looking for what we can do practically, and um, this pursuit of the conference was was what we what we came up with. And this small group of people, my colleague Fred Fredozo in the philosophy department, who's now translating the Summa, it took the whole Dominican order a uh, hundred yeah, years to do it. Yeah. Fred's doing it in his basement all by him, uh, himself now. Uh, Michael Garvey, who was a public relations man at Notre Dame, an incredibly talented writer and idea creative thinker, 
Father John Jenkins, who had been a student of mine and a friend of mine at Oxford. He came with us with the, for the pizza and beer. Father Bill Miss Campbell was part of this group. We sat in the conference room, and we just talked about what we should do. My other part of the job was to start raising money. I didn't know anything about raising money when I started, but I got some help, and I had sold Bibles door-to-door as a Baptist, so I remembered how to kind of get money in some some ways. A great benefactor who still remains anonymous, who the first my first fundraising uh, trip, uh, I asked this benefactor for $100,000, and he said, why don't I give you $300,000, and let's get these conferences started. And so we, had, we thought we had $300,000, and we were going to start three conferences. And what we wanted to do was reinvigorate this vision as we saw it, the intellectual vision and spiritual vision and cultural vision that John Paul II had sort of made us all enthusiastic about combined with the McIntyre, McInerney intellectual vision. And we wanted to have papers that would be not narrowly academic. That was one thing. We wanted, we wanted papers that would engage the culture, and we wanted papers that would be interesting, and we wanted to have good food and good social time together, and we wanted to have students involved because we wanted young people and, and we wanted the enthusiasm that uh, that came with them. Th- that's what we were trying to do, and uh, you had mentioned before the possibility of the sort of great moments in uh, in the conference, and there were there were there were many of them, and some of them sort of comic, and some of them. Uh, serious. I remember Mar- Father Marvin O'Connell, uh, another great friend of mine, great Catholic historian here at uh, here at Notre Dame. Father Hesburgh introducing Father O'Connell uh, at a, at a session to, to for the first presentation of his thousand page biography. And of course, being Father Hesburgh, he spoke for about. 45 minutes introducing uh, Father O'Connell, who had about 30 minutes to talk about his 1,000-page book. Some of the sort of comic moments. Alistair McIntyre is a very forbidding man, and one of the great uh, uh, evenings at the the fall conference, uh, Alistair loves the work of Jane Austen. It, It figures importantly in his great classic again, After Virtue, and he's very intimidating. But one of these undergraduate panels we had was on, was on Jane Austen. And these three young women uh, who were giving these papers on the panel, Alistair was looking as he sometimes could fairly sternly at them. And um, you could see them looking a little nervous. And he, they got through the three papers. And one of the young women, Alistair stood up to ask a question and she turned white as a sheet and collapsed into a complete faint. Uh, and uh, the young woman who was chairing that session came over and kind of got her up and splashed water on her face or something. And we got, and Alistair was sitting there still in his chair. We got all three of the young women up. The woman who had fainted was uh, there and, um, Finally, she she came back, and the, the chairman said, "Well, perhaps we uh, we should move on with this session." Alistair jumped up immediately, 
in his chair, and he said, well, as I was saying, let me complete this question. And this poor woman who actually stood there, she did not faint again, and it was wonderful. She stood up there. She answered the question, and as I recall, Alistair applauded at the at the end. But th- this this is high-pressure academic life. Yeah, and uh, But there were, there were wonderful. Cardinal George was one of our great heroes and great friends at the center yes. who gave presentation after presentation, and we mentioned the, the presentations uh, Alistair McIntyre gave. Carter has, of course, and, and, and our, our local talent have, has been wonderful lecturers and uh, presenters. And we make sure we have lots of speakers from Notre Dame, but as you know, globally, from all over, from all yeah. over the world. Yeah. Became, the, the, these conferences became the largest and, I think, most enthusiastic conferences at Notre Dame. They were famous for, and Carter has carried this tradition on, who will, for good food, good wine, good conversation, and enthusiasm, and energy. And, uh, and they're, they're famous for that. Well, it happened under your directorship, and these programs that uh, got established, they, so many of them continue today and are still vigorous and Definitely student-oriented, and it's all about formation, this intellectual and cultural formation, interdisciplinary, and just forming the next generation of kind of Catholic thinkers and scholars and, and leaders. So, Professor Solomon, thank you very much for your time today. Well, Ken, thank you very much for giving me an opportunity to, to spout off about this. I love directing the center, and I love seeing what has happened there and what— uh, you and uh, Carter have been making of this of this project over the last. So thank you very much. Well, we'll have you back, and we'll talk about uh, future activities, especially as you continue to put together your thoughts on the uh, on the history of the center as well. I would. Uh, I'd look forward to it. I'd look forward to it. Thank you, Professor. Thank you to our founding director, Professor David Solomon. You can learn more about the Center for Ethics and Culture by visiting ethicscenter.nd.edu. You can subscribe to Ethics and Culture Cast, which is released every other Thursday during the academic year, by visiting ethicscenter.nd.edu slash podcast. Our theme music is I Don't Know by Grapes, licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution License. We'll see you next time on Ethics and Culture Cast. Until then, make good decisions. Bye.